Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. I'm entitling this one, Awake, Not Woke, an Update. Uh, what I want to share with you guys, I'm, I'm working my way through the book of Mark, and as I did, the events of time that, are, that we're in right now caused me to want to stop and say, let's just do a little update. Let's get ourselves updated a little bit to what's going on in the world, what to expect in the world, and what has to be our response. Not just what ought to be our response, but what has to be our response, all right? When Jesus Christ saved you, he gave you a brand new life. He's making a new creation out of you. He's not just restore or not just refining the old man that you are. That's not what he's after. For flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. No, he's making a whole new person. He's crucifying the old man that was in you so that when he dies, you're dying with him on that cross. But he, stay, he does not stay in the ground, as you know, and is raised again from the dead. And if you are crucified with Christ, if you have died together with Christ, then you're also risen together with Christ. And when you are risen to, together with Christ, all things are passed away. All the old things are not there anymore. You have a new legacy. You have a new heritage. You are now a child of God. He is not looking at your past. He's not looking into things you have done. He's not looking how wicked you are because it's his goal to change you. You may come to him as a deep, dark sinner, but you're not to stay there. And that, I think, is a, a real flaw in the way people are saying the gospel now. Yes, Jesus does accept people the way they are in order to change them. If you're coming and staying just the way you are, you've misunderstood the gospel, and you're making Jesus appeal to you. It's Jesus who died for you, not the other way around. Jesus gave us a brand new life. And having given us that brand new life, he had a new code that he set down for us, new behavior that spirit-filled people were supposed to live by. And as we're looking at the days and times that we're in, they are to be motivations that tell us it's getting closer, get more to work, not less to work. Sometimes people are saying that the people who believe in a premillennial stand, a pre-tribulational stand, believe that th things are getting so bad that the, the end is right here. There's no need for us to do anything else. Just wait until Jesus comes. Friends, that's just the talk of disobedience. That is just rebellion against the Lord. We have every reason to be more at the business we have now than we did before. He's coming. The time is getting shorter. We've got less time to work with now than we had before. More has to be done. We do the things because Jesus commanded the things, not pragmatically because they're not going to do any good. That's crazy. It doesn't matter whether it does any good or not. You follow me? We're not the judge of what's doing good. He is the judge of what's doing good, and he's the one who said, get to business. Get to work. So that's what we want to do. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. 
Father, thank you so much for letting us have the opportunity to look into your word together. Thank you for the beautiful service, Father, of our brothers and sisters. And thank you for our brothers and sisters who are serving you now. Junior Church, Children's Church. Thank you, Father, for the people who are working in Awana and Trail Life and American Heritage Girls. And Father, thank you for those who are in Sunday school and those who are working in all the various ministries you have given to us. Oh, Father, there's some beautiful things happening here. We're grateful for them. We ask you to keep on motivating us and giving us more of incentive to keep on doing more than we ever did before. I thank you for the, the day that the Lord Jesus Christ will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Father, keep us from that day if, that he would say, why didn't you do what I gave you to do? Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, bless us with your presence just now. Open our hearts to the truth. Help us to see the things that are going on. And I'm going to thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. The Scripture said, so turn your Bibles to um, Romans 13. And verse 11, Romans 13, verse 11, and he said, and do this. That, what was it? Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So he's telling us, look, don't worry about fulfilling law. If you love one another, you will fulfill the law. Look, if you love one another, you're not going to go stealing from somebody. If you love one another, you're not going to murder somebody. If you're loving somebody as you love yourself, you're not going to take things from your brothers and sisters. You're not going to dishonor your parents. Not if you want to be a parent yourself who's honored. If, you're, if you are loving one another and loving God with your whole heart, then you will fulfill the whole law. Everybody follow that? You're not needing a code, kids. You have a law already. It's the law of love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said here, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, now, for now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That's 2,000 years ago that was written. You think it's any closer today? <laughs> I got this funny feeling it's a lot closer today than it was, don't you? It's got to be. He's promised to come. He didn't tell us when. He just said, I'm coming. And when I'm coming, I want you to be ready. Always be ready. Well, it's got to be closer now than it was before. Now, let me tell you some signs you can look at to say how you can know it really is close. One of the things that the early churches could not do, and that is they couldn't follow the Scriptures as we get to follow the Scriptures because Israel ended being a state. When that was finished in 70 A.D. and finally wiped out totally in 136 A.D., Israel was not a state any longer. And the scriptures that were given to Israel as a state, as a nation, couldn't be fulfilled. Consequently, the church, like it or not, became rather anti-Semitic in the way they looked at things. They became anti-Israel. And after a while, even uh, were very um, persecuted Israel very much when they became a state church. They didn't see that Israel has any goodness to it, that Israel was a lost cause. And they saw the church as taking the place of Israel. That wasn't true. It never was true. Jeremiah 31, he'd said this, If the sun quits shining and the light of the moon quits going at night, if that ordinance stops, then I'll finish with Israel. 
Those haven't stopped, and he's not finished with Israel. He's got promises that he made to that group of people that he's going to fulfill. So if you consider with me, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. The day, that day he's speaking of is the day of the Lord. That day is coming, kids. How, what can you be excited about? Israel's a state again. That started the clock. When Israel became a state in 1948, let me just say this right up front, that is not that is not Ezekiel 36 restoration. That's not the Ezekiel 37 restoration. It's the Ezekiel 26 restoration. That's when he brings them back and puts them under the rod. He's going to discipline them until Israel is willing to say in their heart, we believe that Jesus is the Christ. We'll trust you until they are down to their last effort and they know they can't do it. And they finally trust God as he said, I will restore them. That's what has to take place, kids. It's not taken place yet. And that's why you have to look at these things and understand prophecy is fulfilled by them being there. But this isn't the end of the story. There's still many things that have to take place for that nation. Fair enough? So the next thing, Israel is facing the greatest threat since its existence as a state, perhaps the greatest one since the Holocaust. That's Psalm 83, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Uh, I know we didn't get a chance to look very deeply at Psalm 83, and we haven't looked at Ezekiel 38 and 39 except on Wednesday nights. I've spent quite a bit of time on Wednesday nights talking about that. Those are two final big wars that have to take place. And as I look at Psalm 83, I was going through Isaiah last night. And I was looking through Isaiah, and I thought, there it is. The countries that are found in Psalm 83, each one have a chapter, starting with chapter 11. And he tells what's going to happen to each of them. Start, well, actually starting in 12. 11, at the end of 11 is where he brings Israel back into the land. Starting at 12 and working all the way through the 20s. He tells what's going to happen to each of them. During that war, someday that the Lord is going to bring those things to take place. So I want to encourage you, go back and read Isaiah. Start in chapter 12, well, start in 11, about midway of 11, and read all the way up into the 20s. I think you'll see that each of the countries mentioned in Psalm 83 or the people groups mentioned in Psalm 83 are there each one with their own chapter telling what's going to happen with them. All right. When I saw that, I realized that the Lord has a great work he's going to do, and prophecy are being fulfilled right in your face. You're seeing that happen, okay? Number three, the hero, United States, the one who's been a hero for so many things, is led by corruption and has overspent and overcommitted itself. Now, that, that may seem like a nasty political thing to say. I'm just going to share with you. Nothing political in what I had to say. This corruption is moral. This corruption is unbiblical. And it's, a wrong, it's, it's wrong. It's overspin itself. Kids, you can't keep spending yourself into prosperity. That doesn't happen. And we are overspent by a long shot. Not only overspent, we're overcommitted. Uh, the, this, this particular administration went into the um, ammunition for our allies and gave that 
also to Ukraine. Now that means they haven't got 155 millimeter shells to give to Israel in the help of her fight. Kids, this is a strange, strange thing that's going on here. I don't have to know a whole lot to know. You can't keep doing that. That's going to cost. We're overcommitted in Ukraine. We're overcommitted in Israel. We don't have the stuff because we were overcommitted in Ukraine. And now we're overcommitted when it comes to Taiwan. Where are we supposed to get all this? Where's that supposed to come from? We're behind, four to five years behind on, on munitions. Where are you supposed to do all that? That helps me understand why in Ezekiel 38 and 39, there is no one coming to the help of Israel when the northern, that northern group comes attacking against them. Why can't the United States stand up and say, no, we'll defend you? Because they're overcommitted, overspent, won't have it. American policy, I'm sorry, has exacerbated the situation. Now get this picture. I am committed to this country. When I give that pledge, and I give that pledge five days a week, every morning I give the Pledge of Allegiance to the, to the American flag, and I recognize this. Going through that, I stop sometimes and I have to stop and say, wait a minute. I am not committing myself to an administration. I am committing myself to the principle. I'm committing myself to my brothers and sisters, my family that live here. I'm committing myself to my brothers and sisters that live all around this country. I'm committing myself to the principles that are in that whole constitution, that in that Declaration of Independence. I am not going to be loyal to just to a bunch of people who are ruining it. That's not my allegiance. My allegiance comes, first of all, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody follow where I'm at? That's, that's where my allegiance is. You, you may think I'm unpatriotic. I am not. I love this country. And I love what it stands for. And I love the good things that this country has been able to do. But I don't like to watch people of corruption lead it into a bad, bad situation. Why take that which is good and destroy it? I'm sorry to say that that's been going on since the Teddy days. Now, you may not know what the Teddy days are. That's my buddy, Teddy Roosevelt. Listen, I, I love to read the life of Theodore Roosevelt. I love the, the great individualism he expressed. But I'm going to say, that man who said, speak softly and carry a big stick, had a big stick. And he went a lot of places interfering with a lot of people. Do you remember what George Washington told us to do? When the founders of this country set the country up, George Washington said specifically, don't get involved with other countries' politics. Get out of those countries. Don't have anything to do with them. Be America and stay America. Don't get involved in their stuff. That has not happened with us. We've been involved with other people's stuff since the day after he said that. And since the Teddy days, we've been really strongly in it. And I hate to say this, we've been lied to repeatedly about many things. There are things that our government has done, or at least somebody in that government, I can't tell who it is always, that have just been blatant lies. They have des destroyed a lot of good countries and a lot of good peoples. That's sad, brothers and sisters. And if you don't know that, may I suggest this? It's time for you to study American history the way it really is. Time to get your eyes open and see what really went on. There were some really nasty things went on in Central America that have exacerbated the situations at the border. Uh, I think, Larry, uh, Randy, you might know what I'm speaking of there. All right. 
say, why are you telling us all this? Simple. We're not living in Walton's Mountain. This, this isn't the good times, guys. We've had the good times. And we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're watching prophecy being fulfilled right across the water from you. It's happening in your own country even now. As Jesus foretold, the end days would be like those of the days of Noah. What do I know about the days of Noah? Matter of fact, you can find that in Matthew 24, 32 to 44. Uh, that's why that's listed up there for you. Um, I don't think I've got time to read all of them this morning. But Matthew 24, 32 to 44, he said that the uh, end days would be like the days of Noah. What do we know was going on in the days of Noah? Number one, gross wickedness with the approval of the people. You didn't know right from wrong. Great violence was going on at that time. People harming each other. People doing wicked things to one another. If I can say no discernment of what that evil meant. There was no stopping anybody. Very few people were, were knowing the Lord and had a relationship with the Lord. Nobody understood, where does this stuff wind up? It took the preaching of Noah to finally say, listen, God is upset with this. He's angry with this. He's about to destroy this whole thing. You better repent. It was too late. It was too late. And the people didn't pay any attention to what Noah had to say until they closed the door on that and the rain began to fall. When that judgment begins to fall, people are going to realize what exactly was going to happen, what did happen, and it will be a shock to us all because we were thinking it's still going to be a happy-go-lucky time. It isn't. The days of the Lord are fierce. They're powerful. They're mighty. What else do I know is going on? Genetically modified humanity. That was called Nephilim. The genetically modified wasn't done in a science lab. No, it was done by the very Elohim that were supposed to be guarding the country. The sons of God were marrying up with the, the daughters of men. It created a whole new genetically modified race. The people who came from that were a people who were not human. Why is that important? Listen, if, if you remember the prophecy that was made to Eve, the prophecy was, Ser serpent, here's what's going to happen to you. Your seed will be against her seed. I'm going to put a, an, an enmity between the two of you. And he will, you will bruise his heel, and he will crush your head. That was the first prophecy given. That's coming through the seed of the woman. That means human. If there is a way to keep there from being a human so that there is someone coming through there, there is a Messiah coming through that could deliver them, then that was a perfect plan. Genetically modify people where there can't be a human race anymore. So with those Nephilim as those, that new created race now that are not, not human, they're not gods. They were somewhere in between, but they're not the seed of the woman. 
God had to destroy the whole thing. He could spare some who had not done that. He could spare eight, and he did, and started all over again with those eight. But kids, that was genetically modified people. You say, well, we don't have that today. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You have people that are fooling around with your DNA, people that are messing with what's, what's called a CRISPR. That's just to take something out of your DNA and replace it with something else. Just put a little one in there. That will change who you are. You're not the same human anymore. Elon Musk wants us all to be transhuman. He wants us to go beyond being human, where we are living um, immortal lives, where we're beyond the kind of people we are right now. That's happening today, now. We have gross wickedness. We have gross immorality. We have people not even understanding what that can mean. Sometimes when I watch the people who are in office, I'm looking at them saying, are you kidding me? You dress like that? We don't know male for female. What has happened to us? Kids, that's the days of Noah. Eugenics as a part of the economic, social, great reset. Eugenics, I think that's just a a fascinating word. What it means is death. That's what the word, that word EU, that is the Greek word for good. Uh, you, you, You find it in the word eulogy. Eulogy is a good word said about somebody. Logos is the word for word. You is the word for good. Put them two together, and it's good word. Eugenics, good living. It's not good living. It means modified humanity. It means doing away with people who are not any good. I've watched a particular public officer saying the other day, the greatest... Number one death rate for uh, children in America today is gun violence. You've got to be kidding. The greatest death threat to children today is abortion. It's not even close. There, there is no death that's close to that. Yet that's not said as, as a bad thing. That's a quote, right. Folks, we don't know what's right and wrong. That isn't right. That is killing people. And it's a designed effort. It's something that wants to be done, something they want to be able to do in this thing. And I shouldn't say they. It gets too much approval from too many people. Too many even born-again believers just say, I just don't want to get involved in that. You are involved in it. You, you, you can't get away from it. You're in it. They are killing your doctors. They are killing your artists. They are killing the people who could have done something good for you. They're killing your musicians. They're killing all the people that could be making a living for you when you retire. It does make a difference. You are involved. You can't get out of it. That's part of what we're living in today. 
we have some really nasty things. Anti-Semitism is mushrooming and it's widespread. It, there's anti-Christian thought that's trailing right behind it. Psalm 2 had already said the nation's going to rage against God. They don't want him or the son. That's what's going on, kids, and that's happening around you all the time. All you have to do is look at what the anti-Semitism is about and see how they're opposed to that which God has chosen. You'll know that they're going to be doing the same thing with believers within just a short time. The church is asleep in the light, guys. There's, we're more concerned with our comfort, with our security, with our entertainment, what our platforms look like, what our bands look like. What are we, what, what's the matter with us? We're more concerned about what kind of things we're going to get to watch and see and, and be a part of. Guys, there's nothing wrong with social behavior. But when that becomes the driving force for us, we're hedonists. We're missing the point of what... The, listen, suffering is a part of humanity. Suffering is a part of it. it it's a part for everybody. Everybody's going to have some suffering. You're not going to avoid it by becoming a hedonist and saying, I don't pursue anything but, but, but pleasure. Solomon did that in Ecclesiastes 2. And he said, this is vanity. This is a total waste of your time. You're spending too much time on the entertainment, the things that you think are going to entertain you. It's wrong, kids. And that's the world we're living in. And I'm just going to say it's nearer. The day of the Lord is nearer than it was when we first believed. Number six, as that church is asleep in the light, it is time for us to awake. Not get woke. Wake up. What is the calling of the church? So let's look at the next page. All right. Pick up on that. He said that we are to awake and walk properly. So looking at Romans chapter 13 again, he says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Jesus was warning, talking about the people that he was leaving behind in his kingdom, who's, as he's going to go away and come back again, that some of them would realize that Jesus had delayed his coming or that the master had delayed his coming. And in the delay of his coming, decided might as well party and have a good time. So they chose to party instead of walk with the Lord. And that partying led more and more. I, you, you may disagree with me. That's okay. You have a right to be wrong. Here's the deal. I do not understand Christian drunkenness. I, I don't get it. I just, I'm not fathoming that. I, I'm not fathoming Christians that think it's okay to smoke dope. You say, well, that, that's not happening, is it? Yes. Oh, yeah. I've talked with people who believe that they can't really understand the Bible until they smoked a little dope. I don't know what Bible you're going to understand, but I think I've been there and wasn't the Bible that I know about. I 
don't understand our use of stimulants like that. What are, what are we doing? How did we get so far off? How did we displace the power of the Holy Spirit for the power of a bottle? How did we displace the power of the Holy Spirit for the power of music on a platform? How did we do that? We're more pumped by the music we listen to than prayerful submission to the Holy Spirit. I think I told you before, a young man used to come to my office and Man, when he'd come to the office, he, he was represented a particular Christian political organization. He'd come in my office. He was practically bouncing off the walls. At first, I thought it's just enthusiasm about what he's doing. I said, what? So he'd say, blah, 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 and you got to do this, man, and we got to do this, and hey, this is happening over here. Blah, blah, blah. And finally, I said, would you calm down, man? You're making me tired. I, I don't know how to deal with all the things you're saying here. He said, oh, what do you mean, man? I said, why do you come in here so pumped? Oh, I'm just excited about the Holy Spirit. Yeah? Can you tell me when you drive here, how are you getting the Holy Spirit? What are you saying about the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you, it may have been the Holy Spirit, but it probably was the music he listened to. And he was listening to music that would get you so pumped up, so riled. If I can share this with you kids, I know what that is. I have been in that business. I know what it is to rile up people, to get them stirred up with music. I've done it many times. I made a living doing that. I know what the power of music is. And if music is what's getting you powered up, repent. Get back to the Holy Spirit of God and be filled with the Spirit of God. That's our power, kids. It always has been. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before your very eyes, and it's time to wake up. That's all I'm saying. Listen to what he says to do. Not in revelry and dark and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust. I'm understanding from what studies are out there. I didn't make the studies. I'm just quoting somebody else's study. That pornography is not much less watched by Christians than it is by non-Christians. It's not, this, this one surprised me, it's not much less watched by females than males. Okay, not getting it. Not understanding that. What does that mean? Okay. Not in lewdness and lust, and not in strife and envy. I know I've done a little bit of study with, with you uh, about bitterness, and I can tell you this, bitterness is what's going on in the Middle East. That's centuries of bitterness, unresolved conflict, conflict that can't be resolved. So this one does that, and that one responds this way, and that causes this one to do that, and that one makes me respond this way, and it just goes back and back until the responses get uglier and uglier to where you have the kind of response that was going on the other day, on October 7th. Friends, if you are bitter with anybody, can I encourage you, drop that today. Don't leave here with that on your mind because what your bitterness is going to do is exactly what's going on in the Middle East right now. 
pray that God will let you be free of that bitterness. It's horrible. It will defile your children. It will mess you up. It will mess everybody up around you. Get rid of that while you can. Jesus is the way. Think of this. You are to forgive others even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. How is it that Jesus, that, that God for Christ's sake forgave you? He did not wait for you to ask him to die on a cross for him. He did that 2,000 years before you were born. He's looking down time at who you are. He's not waiting for you to ask anything. The truth of the matter is, you, he had every reason to be bitter with you, and he didn't. He died for you instead, and God forgave you because of what Jesus did. So if I can say this, forgive that other person, not because they ask you to, not because it's nice, not because wouldn't it be wonderful, no, because Christ forgave you. Let them go. You've been holding that person way, way, way too long. If you can remember the details of what happened to you 25 years ago, then you've remembered too, too long. Let it go. Please, let it go. We're sitting in the middle of the most bitter time since the Civil War. People are at each other's throat. It's strife and envy. That's happening even among believers. If you have a Facebook account and you're a believer and you know somebody who's a believer and you've made a comment on that Facebook account that that believer didn't like, shoom, man, they fired an arrow, a little virtual arrow, whew, went flying through the air, landed right square in you. And so because you got hit with that arrow, whew, you fired back. Then they sent a spear. And then you shot him with a 30 odd six. And you just kept going till there was bloodletting every place. Stop. Stop. That's not us. Not strife and envy. That's not us. It doesn't belong to Christ. Fair enough? Let me go on with you. Join one another in doing good works. Get serious about loving our enemy and stop the anger. Love one another and encourage one another to do good. There's a grand difference in what a policy of a government has to be and what your policy of personal love is supposed to be. You've got to love your neighbors, even as Christ loved you. We've got to love even down to our enemies, that's the love he's called on us to do. Number three, as Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 say, get together for real fellowship. Show hospitality to one another. When you get together for real fellowship, that means that you're, you're working around the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's the basis of your, of your, your uh, relationship together. That's what the basis of it is, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not just some football game, some baseball game. That may be why you all got together to start with, but let that conversation turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, Kids, it's, it's getting really close. 
It's almost over, and the time we've got left to do work is almost done. So get together and encourage one another to stifle fear, anger, and complaining. When we get together and we're complaining about what this political person did or this political person did, you're not edifying yourself. You're not helping each other. If we don't recognize that there's some major incompetence going on, some major stupidity, some major wickedness going on, then you're really not listening. But that doesn't mean we've got to spend all our time talking about it. If we've not got anything higher and better than that to talk about, we need to go back to the Scriptures again, repent and read the Scriptures again and see what Jesus wanted for us. So encourage one another to let the Word of Christ abide in us and be real disciples. Pray intensely with one another. Keep the Word of Christ with each other. Talk about what Jesus is. Talk about what He's done. Talk about what we're supposed to be doing. What are the beauties and the ramifications of the gospel itself? Talk to each other about that. Keep that in us. Keep that being the red-hot dialogue we've got. That's what's critical and important, guys. It's, he said that you would bear much fruit if you did that. He said that you'd be free if you did that. He said that you could have answers to prayer if you did that. Let's let the Word of Christ dwell in us. Let's let that be the big thing that drives us. And further, pray intensely with one another. First Peter had said that when you see the end coming, you see these days coming to an end, pray more intensely and more watchfully than you ever did before. Sometimes prayer meetings are hard to get and have, especially public prayer meetings for a church. We can have a dinner and have a pretty good number show up, but to say we're going to have a prayer meeting, we can usually count about six. Why? You say, well, I, I can pray at home. Sure you can, and I hope you are. But it's very encouraging when you get together and pray. You get to hear a whole new perspective you didn't realize. Somebody's praying that way. You need to hear that whole new perspective. You need to hear what somebody else is praying. You need to pray for one another. Stay alert. Stay alert to read the times. Understand them and act on them biblically. Conditions are going to change rapidly when it starts. So be prepared, not scared. There are things that are going to change very rapidly when they go, kids. Consider real needs. Food, water, clothing, shelter, energy, spiritual counsel. Are you going to be ready to counsel people who lost all hope? Are you going to be ready to counsel the people that, who have not only lost their hope, but they're not, they're, they can't even understand what's going on in the times? Do you think you could counsel them and say, here's what's happening? Trust Jesus. Like that... Uh, I forgot who was telling the story the other day about that pastor. I think it was maybe Wayne, that, that um, pastor that was on the Titanic. And as he was going down, he was swimming from person to person saying, you're about to meet God, trust Christ. You're about to meet God, trust Christ. You're about to meet God. And people were trusting Christ. Some didn't. But there was a, a meeting together of the survivors of the Titanic. And one man that was there said, that man came to me twice on the night he was swimming in the ocean, came to me twice and asked me to trust Christ, and I didn't the first time. When he came the second time, I said, I will, and he drowned right in front of me. I'm a believer today because of that man. 
I'm saved today because of that man that told me on the way down to trust Christ. Kids, stay alert. Read the times and know what's really important. Pray with the church more often and with greater seriousness and watchfulness than ever before. Listen, if the church calls for a meeting together, do everything you can to get there to that meeting so we can have a prayer. Everything. Do everything you possibly can to get there. Okay. Let love get red hot. First uh, Peter uh, chapter 4 says, let love fervently. That's what red hot means. Drop your pretense. Drop your need for people to please you before you like them. Get transparent enough to speak to those overtaken in a fault with humility and get humble enough to let someone speak to your blind spot and make the appropriate change for Christ. Did you know there might be some things you're doing that really are offensive? Did you know that if someone takes enough courage and enough love to come to you and say, you know, when you do this, it really hurts people. That may take a lot of courage on that person to come to you, a lot of love for you to come to that person and say, I love you dearly, but when you do these things, it really hurts somebody. Are you humble enough to receive that? Going to get mad at them? Going to express that bitterness? Do you understand that what they're telling you has nothing to do with your justification? You're still going to be just as justified because you trusted Christ before they said it as you are after they said it. What it's going to do is helpfully change you from being someone that can't get along with people because you insist on your own way so often. Stop being so selfish and let someone help you grow in Christ. Do not let someone else in the church pull all the load. You have a gift. Use it. Stop making excuses and get to work. Fight like a good warrior. That's coming from uh, that First um, Peter chapter 4 again, where it's reminding us, you have spiritual gifts. Use those spiritual gifts. Folks, there are times that we, we can't get enough done because there's not enough people to get it done. We need you. We need you to be able to say, I, I'm going to go to work on this. I'll help. I'll fight like a good warrior. I'm understanding that I'm in a spiritual warfare. I'm going to get suited up. I'm going to get ready to go. I'm going to get filled with the Spirit. I'm going to be a good warrior for Christ. Looking around, there's a lot of things that are happening in Scripture, and I want to encourage you, stay in the Scripture and read the times. If you, if you need good sources for stuff, we can give you some of those. There are good people to listen to that will help you understand what is happening and to help you understand from a biblical perspective. There's some things you can listen to that's just plain news. But understand and know this. There are no people reporting anything that are not biased. All of them are biased. Some of them are biased the way you like them to be biased. Some are biased opposite the way you like them to be. But read everything you can and keep that Bible real close at hand and see if that's what it really says. All right? Father, thank you so much for the gift of this day. Thank you so much for the gift of your prophecy and your word Thank you for our veterans, Father. Thank you for the people who, had, who are our brothers and sisters that are veterans in the spiritual war that goes on, Father. Thank you so much for the kindness you show to us every day. Watch over us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now today, today would be a great day to be born again. 
Today would be a great day to trust Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, because I'm telling you, what's going on in this world today is coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us that, the, that the Jesus, the Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. Jesus is what prophecy is all about. Jesus is the one for whom God is doing the things he's doing in this world. He is bringing this world to a close in order to put his son in as king of kings and lord of lords. That's coming. Today would be a great day to trust Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, be forgiven, and become a new creature. Join together. Get together for fellowship with each other. Pray. Pray diligently, especially as you see what's going on in Israel. Pray diligently that God will show us good things and that God will do the work that he's planning to do to bring his son back. His son is coming soon. Let's be ready for it. Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the kindness you're showing to us, the way you've watched over us, the way you care for us. I ask just now you dismiss us with your grace and peace and cause us to walk in the truth and walk in the light. Help us to walk properly this week, Father, to see the seriousness of what's going on around us. In Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live. <music>